Hi everyone, I'm Dan Harding, Editor-in-Chief of Power Motor Yacht, and this week my colleagues and I sit down with David Falks, CEO of Brunswick. Now, it's possible you don't know all that Brunswick encompasses, but you definitely know some of their brands, like Sea Ray, Boston Whaler, Mercury, Freedom Boat Club, Navico, and so many others. Brunswick, it's the kind of company that doesn't simply follow trends, they create them. And that's why we're excited to sit down with Dave and talk about the future of our favorite pastime. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special edition podcast with Power Mordiat, Passenger Maker, and Soundings. Some celebrity friends here, Gene Craig, and Chief of Soundings. What's up, Gene? Good morning, Dan. It's good to be here. Yes, it is. Jeff, good to see you, too. Welcome to New York City, Dan. It, uh, always a pleasure to get out of the home office and uh, spend some time talking boats, being on boats. That's a, it's a good day in my book. We're at uh, Chelsea Piers for the annual Brunswick event. Just had a great ride on the 280 Dauntless. More, but more on that to come. One last introduction. We're here with the CEO of Brunswick, David Falks. David, how are you today? I am very well. Really enjoying the day. Beautiful weather for us. Mm. Great to be uh, seeing all you guys. Thank you for coming along. Yeah, it's a, it really is an unbelievable backdrop. I mean, you must have people coming from from all over for this one. We, we do, you know, it's it's great when the media can travel to our various events, boat shows or dealer meetings, whatever it is. But some can't, so sometimes we need to take the show to them, and uh, we like to do this every year and take the show to a lot of New York media who might not otherwise travel. We get a real nice variety of people coming along and, and experiencing a great products. So, David, I thought one thing that might help is. I think a lot of people know Brunswick, and they might know mm -hmm. a few of the brands that fall under the umbrella, but mm -hmm. do you mind giving us a, a real quick, this could be hard, but if you can give <laughs> us the elevator pitch, what is Brunswick? So Brunswick is the um, largest company in the recreational marine industry by quite some margin. By revenue this year, will be about a $7 billion company, so um, pretty big uh, company, and although we're focused in marine, we're quite diversified inside the marine industry. So I'll walk you through our portfolio a bit at a high level. Uh, one of the biggest parts of our portfolio is our propulsion business, Mercury Marine. I think everybody's pretty familiar with, with Mercury. Our market share is very high. You know, we're, we're touching up close to 50% of, of output market share in the US and Canada. I think we're in like 47% at the moment. We have a lot of great products and technology that people are familiar with and I'm sure we'll talk about. Then we have our boat brands. We have 17 different boat brands, uh, ranging from the premium, uh, like uh, Sea Ray and, and Boston Whaler that you've been experiencing today, uh, through to some more like mid-market brands like Bayliner in the fiberglass space or Lowe and Lund in the, in the aluminum space. So a real variety of, of ways for people to get on the water with us, a lot of entry points. And then we have uh, what until recently was our advanced systems group that we recently renamed to the Navico group uh, after we bought Navico last year. And that is really a collection of some of the best known, mainly electrical and electronic technology brands in the marine industry, but also in recreational vehicle and specialty vehicle. And think about things like Atwood and Whale and uh, Mastervolt, Seazone, Marenco, and now... Uh, Navico's great brands, Lowrance, Simrad, B&G, uh, CMAP, all together uh, offering an integrated solution uh, for OEMs and the aftermarket. And then the final part of our business really is we call business acceleration. It's a separate division. And the largest um, company inside there is Freedom Boat Club, uh, which we acquired in 2019. 
and has been very successful. We've been growing it really quickly. Seems to be a model that resonates with a lot of people who are busy, want to be part of the boating lifestyle, but maybe don't have all the time or maybe the ability to deal with some of the off-water stuff. Um, We now have 80,000 members, 360 locations of 5,000 boats. So we're um, focused but also diversified, uh, if you like. Yeah, that's an amazing synopsis. I saw on the site it was like, 18,500 employees, 29 countries. I mean, the, the scope and scale of what you guys are doing is pretty incredible. You know, it's very exciting to be able to uh, participate in access boating, not just in the U.S., which is obviously the biggest market and in itself is a very diversified market, but also in some of the other big recreational boating areas. And, and Europe, obviously, is a huge recreational boating market. I was Last week, I was actually in both Australia and New Zealand, visiting with uh, our team members and companies over there, visited the Sydney Boat Show, which is very exciting. Uh, Really nice show, uh, very excited uh, attendees. The first time the show has been on for three years uh, now. So, you know, it's great. Uh, You know, my background, I've I've traveled a lot during my career and love to be uh, traveling, not just in the U.S., but also in the international locations. Well, David, you know, one of the things we like talking to you about, because Brunswick has so many touch points and you're, you're touching so many boaters, I thought we'd get into a couple of the, a couple of boating trends. And uh, you know, how has boating, in your opinion, changed in the last couple of years? And, and how has that affected Brunswick? I think, um, to be honest, not just in, in boating and marine, but in pretty much every uh, kind of vertical, the role of technology has become more central. And, and certainly that is playing an increasingly important role in, in our portfolio and in the marine industry overall. And we can talk through some of those trends. And I think, but broadly, you know, new boats are packed with advanced technology from digital switching systems to radar to offboard, you know, applications to advanced propulsion. Um, but the other thing, of course, affecting us, and you know, I think we're an innovative company, not just in technology, but also in business models. And something that's appearing everywhere is various versions of shared access, whether it's Uber and Lyft in the automotive space or some of the you know, jet sharing schemes. And because our version of that is Freedom Boat Club, where you get to participate in the, in the boating lifestyle, but not through ownership. So I think, um, you know, the trends from my perspective really are probably really the packing of technology into boats and all that brings with it, good and bad, right? Um, it brings with it um, a lot of uh, capability, but making that usable and intuitive is a challenge that we take on and, and needs to be taken on. And then this emergence of alternative participation models. Do, do you feel that um, the, the technology that's going into new boats today is making it easier for people who don't know a lot about the sport to use the products and really get enmeshed in the lifestyle? I think, I think it is uh, overall. I think, you know, there are some particular highlights. I, would point. I think the, the introduction of joystick control, for example, into larger multi-engine boats and more recently from us into even pontoon boats, uh, brings a level of usability that is really, um, and I hate to use the word overuse it, but almost game-changing. I think, and we, we all know that docking a boat is, uh, you know, it's an experience that 
that that is um, challenging at some points, challenging at some times, <laughs> scary at and other points, scary at other times. <laughs> uh, yeah. So any way that you can materially, you know, improve that, I think is is super important. Obviously, the presence of advanced um, charting, um, radar technology, sonar technology, fish finding technology for the fishermen uh, is really advancing overall capability. I do still think, though, that we have the challenge ahead of us of trying to take all of the audible and visual and tactile inputs that you get from all of the systems on a boat and converge to a more harmonious um, focused experience because in the end you can just be overwhelmed by some of the inputs on a modern boat and our job is to try and make that experience more digestible i think for the average boating um consumer it is, it user. is an interesting challenge to make yeah. these boats more technologically advanced but the boats simpler to use at the yeah. same time as uh yeah you guys make you guys make it look easy but that requires uh, more equipment at some point yeah yeah, yeah. but you are trying to Get less equipment on board with your like the Fathom e power system that yes. you've came out with a few years back, and is that a potential to get rid of a gen set and boats in a certain range? Is is I think is not that you overuse it, but game changing, like you said earlier. I, you know, I think it really is. You know, the I think finding ways to make um, electrification technology work in the marine environment is is uh, an opportunity and a challenge for us. If you think about um, Electrification on the propulsion side obviously takes a lot more power to push a boat through the water than it does to roll a car on a road through air resistance. And we have no brakes to recover um, energy, and boats are much more weight sensitive than road vehicles are. But so I think marine and aviation are kind of parallel there. So there is a um, electrification opportunity on the propulsion side, but I think. Um, for a lot of boats like the ones we make, like the Boston Whaler and the Seary, that are large boats that require quite a lot of power, for which there isn't a, a propulsion, electrification propulsion solution yet, I think one way to introduce the technology in a very effective way is as a generator replacement technology. I think we all know there's, a, if you have an engine on the back of your, two engines on the back of your boat, there's always a third engine in the boat. You just don't see it. It's the gen set, right? And Frequently, it's running much longer than the propulsion engines. Depending on how you use your boat, you can be using the propulsion engines to take you out maybe to a sandbar, and then you. But you still need air conditioning and refrigeration and, and, and um, sound systems and all those other things. And I think that is a way that we can introduce uh, lithium ion technology, smart digital control of um, both AC and DC circuits on the boat. And where a lot of boats this size obviously come back to a marina or a slip that has 220 volt or 240 volt power to it, and you can charge it up and and use that for a whole day. Of course, with the Fathom system, if that is not enough power, the engines will recharge the the system as well. But I think it's a great way of introducing technology in a way that's going to be accessible and viable for as many consumers as possible. I'm glad the electrification question came up that was gonna be certainly gonna be my next one and you guys are working on that on multiple fronts i mean there's all you know the very exciting mercury is going to have an electric outboard here in the in the very near future i'm going to ask you to look at the the crystal ball you know where where is electric electrification now where are we going to be in 10 years 
Yeah, so I think um, if you look at the situation right now, I think the last year um, in the U.S. at least, which is not necessarily completely on the leading edge of adoption of on-road electrification, you you see a little more of it in Europe and and even China, but uh, the U.S. had about 5% of the um, passenger vehicles sold in the U.S. last year were electric vehicles. Um, If you look at our calculations indicate that um, less than 0.5% of the boats sold were electric boats. And I think it's funny, you know, if you've been in the boating industry for a while, you know, electric boats have been around forever, right? Um, uh, electric, you know, small um, uh, commercial passenger carrying vehicles. A number of European com- companies have ordered, offered electric models for a while. Um, you see, the, the real market the real substantial market for electric propulsion though is in Europe and it is low horsepower. It is regulated lakes that do not allow internal combustion engines. Um, But 90% of all the electric um, marine electric propulsion systems sold are five horsepower or less. That is where the core of the real market of thousands of engines of boats really is and that's what we're addressing with the avatar product line um, as battery technology evolves both from a economic perspective and a power density perspective you can see um, more op- applications opening up but the moment what we're seeing is relatively niche applications um, where range and performance are not necessarily at a premium. So, you know, yacht tenders or river cruises or maybe operation on small lakes uh, are very viable. I have to say, with you know, that at the moment, there is not on the horizon a breakthrough battery technology that moves the needle far enough for us to think about um, a boat you know, like a offshore saltwater fishing boat really becoming viable from an electrification perspective. You can see pontoons, for example, in some applications becoming that way. So, you know, as we move through um, different forms of um, lithium-ion technology, um, from um, lithium-ion phosphate to nickel manganese cobalt and now people are kind of going the other direction for affordability and then the next big step is um solid state technology um which looks really interesting but you still don't see quite the leap in power density um or affordability that would be um necessary to put electrification at the center of boating so I think the, the answer there is not to give up. It, the answer there is to continue to, to push on electrification, which we intend to do, uh, but also to think about other technologies. Is, uh, synthetic fuels, e-fuels, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Carbon neutral fuels um, are really interesting for aviation, which is a lot more like marine than on, in on-road vehicles. Sure. So we're very interested in synthetic fuels. Um, you might think about various versions of hydrogen, it could be through fuel cells. It could be through direct combustion. Um, so I think we just need to make sure that we don't um, completely focus on one technological swim lane, if you like.
like. Yeah. We need to continue to pursue a portfolio of um, opportunities. The Avatar is a 48 volt system. That means effectively what we call touch safe. It is not the voltage is not so high that you're really going to hurt yourself if you you know get in the um, on purpose or accidentally into the um, into the system. But when you get to on-road vehicles, 350 volts to 800 volts, there are a lot of challenges. And I think we all know water and high voltage are you know, challenging at the best of times. So there are special considerations for us, sealing and what happens in an emergency, those kind of things sure. have to be thought through very um, carefully. So I think we will continue to see this migration. I currently don't see it as nearly as quickly as um, on-road applications and would think of it more like commercial trucking or aviation or something like that. It's it's in the long range, but not, you, not quite there yet. Do you get more excited about the possibilities with hydrogen? Uh, well, I think, um, you know, hydrogen has some advantages, particularly with range, um, but it comes with its own challenges of, uh, you know how I happened to be uh, when I was in New Zealand on a hydrogen-powered foiling catamaran. Uh, you were on one of those oh, America's yeah, Cup boats that was, that was oh, developed yes. by the um, by the New Zealand America's Cup team. Yeah, how was that in, in Auckland? It was very cool. It was super <laughs> cool. You know, um, you're smiling. I, no, it was, it was it was very cool. You know, our um, Ray Glass uh, boat brand in um, in New Zealand manufactures a protector. Boats that do that are the chase boats, effectively oh, yeah. for the America's Cup and many other sailing teams. And so, um, when the New Zealand uh, Cup team were developing this um, boat, um, they turned to uh, turned to uh, Ray Glass and to Mercury to help with some of the gears and propellers and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So I was lucky enough to meet with the team and um, get on board that boat. Um, so that is a fuel cell powered boat. It uses um, two fuel cells and a, and a couple of high capacity lithium ion batteries for large um, hydrogen storage vessels at 350 atmospheres. Um, so, uh, you know, charging the hydrogen is an overnight charge, just like an electric vehicle would be, but it does have, you know, pretty decent range. So I, I just think. And speed too. And de- yeah, pretty decent speed, yeah. So I think the um, my perspective here is we always plan to be at the leading edge of technology. We're ex- investigating all these things. I'm excited about all of them. I just don't want uh, necess- I want us to make sure that we are you know realistic about the rates at which they might um, impact us. You know, I would say though, guys, it would be um, pretty impressive for to hit that tipping point in the under 10 horsepower mm-hmm. range for, you know, for my audience, for dinghies, for your audience too, for small craft, because everyone's got one on the back of their boat in the passage maker audience. So to get there and to have that acceptance is is a pretty big accomplishment. It's, it's nothing to scratch you. No, it, it, it isn't. And I think, you know, that's where we're excited about um, um, the Avatar yeah. product line. I think there are, you know, as things like electric pickup trucks come yeah. along, and the ability to, you know, potentially charge an electric outboard, which is on a trailer at the back of your electric pickup, can be actually more convenient than, a, you know, a gasoline outboard for, for a number of applications. So I think there's not only a regulatory driver there, there's a, um, there's a utility 
um, driver, a convenience driver, potentially in the future, that I think is very exciting. On the on the other end of it, uh, you know, interestingly, as, as we look at our bu- our business in small outboards in uh, some of the commercial markets, you know, if you look at some of the commercial markets in Southeast a- Asia, they're they're still in the conversion of two stroke to four stroke. So um, you have to look around the world at what's going on, and you see a spectrum of uh, of solutions. And of course, we want to be at the leading edge of those solutions wherever they are. Right? So you're going to bring back the two-stroke? No, we're not bringing one. back the two-stroke. We are very happy uh, converting two-strokes to four-strokes. And, and in fact, uh, when we do that, in any market, we gain market share. So, yeah. so that is a very exciting opportunity for us. That's cool. I was so impressed with your, uh, the number you threw out when you were introducing Brunswick, the, the company. You, you have a 50% market share in the outboard about 47% in the US, uh, a bit more than that in Canada, and increasing in every market. Um, what do you attribute that growth to? I think largely um, product and product-related technology. We've made massive investments over the last dozen years, really, in, and I mean, billions of dollars in new products and capacity. I think we have a um, you know, incredible product line, obviously topped by the 600 V12 now. Exciting. If you go above 425 horsepower, there's nobody with us, right? So we're in, you know, clean air above there. But I would say, though, that we, you know, that 600 is a fantastic product and it's selling extremely well. But we know that we need to keep the pace of change up across our whole product line. And out on a stand today is the new 25 and 30 horsepower uh, three-cylinder um, outboard uh, that is, you know, lighter and quieter and more fuel efficient and easier to maintain. So we continue to invest along our product line. Uh, we're investing in new capacity for Mercury. The only thing limiting our market share right now, and it's very high, but it's limited by capacity. If we can make more, we could sell more. Uh, so we're going to make more. Um. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Problem solved. Right. I had a feeling that's the way you were going to go. <laughs> now, one uh, one of your businesses that I find really fascinating to watch the last few years has been Freedom Boat Club. You mentioned it at, at the start. I mean, I got to imagine that's just been good for our sport, bringing more people in. How How do you keep these new boaters that are maybe being introduced through Freedom Boat Club, how do you keep them in the family? How do we retain them in boating? Well, I think, you know, of course, in, in, in any, whether it's buying a new boat or a used boat or being a member of Freedom Boat Club, um, providing an engaging experience is super important. Um, you have to be really concerned with the quality level and the service level that you provide. If you think about Freedom now has 80,000 Member, if you think, I mean, Brunswick sells forty thousand boats a year, but it has eighty thousand members in Freedom. So it is, you know, it's a big uh, business for us, and pulls in a lot of our boats and engines and other things. But we try and main, make sure we maintain a boat to member ratio, so that every member can get on the boat they want more or less at the time they want. Obviously, not every time. But they can experience a variety of boats. They're new boats, you know, typically one to two years old. So they have a great new boat experience, but they also have a lot of uh, accessibility. And then because of the large number of locations, they are already, you know, they also have the reciprocal access 
capability. Just one example. So we have, I think, five locations in the Chicago area right now. And if you're a member in Chicago, you can go to any of those five locations. So you can have a boating experience that's based on the Chicago River, or you can go to various places up and down the lakeshore on Lake Michigan and have different boating experiences there with different boat types from pontoons to center consoles to deck boats. So I think keeping access, um, so um, keeping the boat to member ratio optimal, um, offering different locations and boating experiences and boat types is critical to keeping people in boating and, and get, you know genuinely engaged in, in boating. Keeping people in boating is such an important part of the work for a company like Brunswick. And over the through the pandemic, um, I imagine your company has seen a lot of new active families coming yes. into the sport for the first time. Yeah. And and we all want to see them stay. Yeah. So is there anything that your company is working on or working at to keep those people, you know, in their boats for decades to come? Yes. So we. Um we set up an online community called Ripple that we, we've talked about a bit in the past. Um, oh, it has four or 5,000 members now. And we use that um, community to frequently engage and interact with new boaters and, and uh, long-time boaters, uh, both in our brands and in other brands as well. So finding out from them directly and very immediately because you know, online is great in that respect. There's not much delay. What's good about their experience, you know, what we can improve about their experience is really important. And we can take that feedback in the same way as we can with freedom. It's one of the great things about freedom is not only the business model, but also the fact that you have direct interaction with the members. We're often a bit like one step removed because we're dealing with an end consumer through a channel partner, a dealer, an engine dealer, boat dealer, whatever it is. But freedom is immediate and Ripple is immediate. And so we frequently ask people uh, what's working well in your boating experience, what's not working quite so well. Are you boating more this year than last year? Do you intend to boat more next year than you did this year? Um, how long do you um, plan to stay in boating? And I think that there was a concern that some of the people who entered boating at the start of the pandemic might um, have other options opening up for them and, and exit boating, but we haven't seen that. We've seen the people who entered boating during the pandemic very happy with what they did, very happy with adding boating to their lifestyle, and uh, very happy to continue. So when we ask them how long they plan to stay in boating, I think around 90% said more than five years, which would be you know great for us. So certainly we want to reduce attrition as well as gain new members, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I want to be uh, mindful of your time here. I know uh, you're a busy guy on a busy day. So I wanted to, maybe we could wrap up with, uh, you know, what, how has boating impacted or changed your life or you know, what does what your ideal day on the water look like? Um, you know, my, I have a boat on Lake Michigan. And um, so my ideal, what I, we really like, my wife and I really like, is taking our kids and their friends out or just taking our friends out. How we make a boating experience different is um, we can introduce new people to the water and sharing their experience as they, you know, engage with the water the first time, going slowly, going fast, going on the river, going on the lake. Uh, I think is a very kind of joyful uh, experience for us. 
Um, still, you know, despite the fact that e-boat, boating is quite ubiquitous, there are a lot of people who have not had a boating experience or not had a contemporary boating experience. So an ideal day for me is, is you know, taking friends or family out on the water, maybe coming back, pulling in, having a glass of wine, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a great that's a great day. And it, it's one of the things that um, you're out in the water and you genuinely, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's not even an opinion, it's proven that engaging with the water is, has real wellness benefits. And uh, you don't need to persuade people, really, because you go out there and you forget about other things. So, um, you know, that is, that is definitely an energizing experience for me and, and one that I enjoy sharing a lot with other people. Can't beat that answer. Can't, can't argue with that. I think, I think we should all go spend some more time out on the water. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's cool. go. David, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Power Motor Yacht Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and leave us a review or rating. Or you can share us with your friends on social media or on the VHF. Anywhere you spread the word means a lot to us. Thanks again. And until next time, we'll see you on the water. Devote.